Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge, more light, more love. It's a Beyond the News episode this week. I love these. They're so fun. I get to hang out and kind of just talk about things for a second without the engagement of an interview. It's really just an interesting experience for everyone. I love hanging out with you guys and analyzing these stories. So beyond the news, every seventh episode, we're here and with us in a very business oriented fashion (laughs) is the incredible from vital force herbs, Bryn Anderson. She's here with us. What's up? (laughs) Wow. Um, We're having a fun episode. This is going to be good. Uh, Beyond the news. There's been so many powerful topics over the last couple of months. It usually always happens that way where we meet these new people and we have these discussions and we gain from them and I get to have this dialogue and then it builds up and you get to process it for a minute. As we look at earth's news feed and just kind of pull these stories together in an aggregated way and share with you what's just out there from mostly mainstream sources, but definitely credible sources. And it's just a way for us to (laughs) remind ourselves we're here together. And there's a lot of strange things happening. So here we are beyond the news. (laughs) How do you feel about that, Brynn? Are you excited? I'm super excited. Yeah, I have uh, (laughs) a... It's a silly day, it feels like. It's Must a full moon. moon. It's a full oh. moon when we're recording this right now. Yep, the full, last full August supermoon. 11th, the last full supermoon. I'm feeling lunar, you guys. Feel that lunar energy. It's so powerful. Last night, the moon was so huge and bright in the sky. It was incredibly powerful. You just feel that lunar energy. It's an ethereal energy. It's its own thing. It's its own frequency. It feels very specific. And as the full moon happens, you feel it even stronger. Like, what is that? It's a powerful energy. It's very distinct. It has its own signature. It has its own feeling, a vibe. It's interesting. So here we are on the full moon recording this. Again, feeling very lunar. (laughs) But before we get into these stories, before we talk about what is out there that I've dug up that it's going to blow your mind. Some of this stuff is actually going to blow your mind. If you listen, I need you to do something for me. Go to blue Cobra CBD.com. That is blue Cobra CBD.com. And there you will find blue Cobra CBD oil, the highest quality CBD oil on the market out there. It is because of the hit extraction method developed by a man named Howard Hit, a.k.a. Big H, and it uses no chemicals, no solvents, no gases. It's completely natural, 100% organic, 
and using uh, CBD derived from 100% organic, organ-grown hemp. There's the maximum strength King Cobra, the regular strength Little King Cobra, and Wild Thing CBD for pets. It's incredibly powerful medicine. It's unlike anything out there because of the hit extraction method. It actually retains a very powerful spirit of the plant. It feels very powerful. And it's unlike anything I've ever experienced in the CBD world. And I've tried pretty much everything that's out there in its various forms. And this is the most natural, the most powerful small batch. And we have a discount code. It is big H. B-I-G, the letter H, that gets you free shipping on any order in the continental 48 United States. And there is a money back guarantee if you don't like it for some reason. You can keep the product, keep your shipping money if you had to pay shipping. You get your money back as well. There's nothing to lose. If you try this, if you really want to experience the true medicinal benefits of CBD created in the most appropriate way, a CBD product. Check it out. Go there. I've said this before. Try it. Report back to me. And we can talk about it more. Howard Hitt is an incredible human being. His product is very unique. That's why I talk about it so much. BlueCobraCBD.com. That is BlueCobraCBD.com. And when you're done with that, follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow us there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcast distribution on your phone or whatever, click the button that connects us, the follow button, the like button, whatever they label that as, click that. So you know exactly what's going on all the time. You get it instantly. New episodes, all of that. And most importantly, tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts. They're your friends. You, you know them well, family members, coworkers. Bring them here. Midnightonearth.com. Okay. Blue Cobra, social media, we talked about it. And now we're going to dive into these stories, which overall, the arching theme, it seems, is some of the most powerful developments recently in human technology on Earth. It's going to show you just how strange the future is going to be and some other fun things as well. <laughs> Brent, are you uh, are you ready to go down this 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 drive down the the information superhighway of modern uh, moments like right now? This is just like everything. You're just we're just surfing information. Data processing is happening. What do you think about Whoa, all this? I'm always so curious as to what you have dug up. You said something about the Loch Ness monster. What's I that mean, about? that's the first one. Okay. Okay. So I guess let's it. just get into it. Let's do it. Independent.co.uk headline existence of Loch Ness monster plausible 
Scientists say after fossil discovery, the existence of Loch Ness Monster is plausible, British scientists have said. The suggestion came after researchers found fossils of small plesiosaurs, long-necked marine reptiles from the age of dinosaurs in a 100-million-year-old river system that is now Morocco's Sahara Desert, suggesting they may have lived in fresh water. Loch Ness Monster enthusiasts have long believed that the historic Scottish folklore could be a prehistoric reptile with a small head and long neck similar to a plesiosaur. However, cynics have argued that plesiosaurs could not have lived in Loch Ness as they needed a saltwater environment. Now, the university's findings published in the journal Cretaceous Research suggest the plesiosaurs were adapted to tolerate fresh water, possibly even spending their lives there like today's river dolphins. The fossils include bones and teeth from a three-meter-long adult and an arm bone from a one-and-a-half-meter-long baby. They hint that these creatures routinely lived and fed in fresh water alongside frogs, crocodiles, turtles, fish, and the huge aquatic dinosaur, Spinosaurus. The plesiosaur teeth appear to show heavy wear similar to that of the Spinosaurus, suggesting that they were eating the same armored fish that lived in the river rather than being occasional visitors. Okay, interesting. So, uh, you know, it's possible. I've always felt like the Loch Ness Monster was real. Uh, intuitively, I've never been to uh, Loch Ness. I've never been to Scotland. Uh, so I don't know for sure. But uh, it, it seems like there is potentially these surviving carnivorous animals that have this huge lifespan. It's possible. What do you think, Brent? I don't know. I was just going to say if these are fossils, then what does that mean for people who have had current sightings? Would those be those same animals or? That's the thought. I don't know. That's the, that's the thought. I don't know. I don't know. This is very huge. We all need our protein. This is from the star.com headline. Protein shakeup. Are crickets and lab-grown meat the future of food? No, thanks. Are you sure? Come on. <laughs> could be good. Barbecue. I mean, I, I've heard crickets are cool. I don't know about the, I'm, the lab-grown meat. I'm not, not sold on that. Let's listen to this. After buying a 12-acre plot of land in southern Ontario to grow food, Mohammed Ashur and his company could have chosen to raise cows, but they recognized that the small handful of animals would only yield a few hundred kilograms of protein each year. Ashore had much loftier goals. Instead of cattle, Ashore, CEO and co-founder of Aspire, and his team opted for pinhead crickets, which increase in size 800% over the course of their month-long life. Crickets eat a fraction of the food that other forms of livestock consume, but they produce the same amount of protein, he explains. I didn't know crickets were considered livestock. When Aspire ramps up to full capacity, it will boast sophisticated sensors that will collect between 27 and 30 million data points each day, 
helping to optimize conditions to produce an annual protein yield of a whopping 12 million kilograms. So every year, about 6 million pounds of cricket protein for Americans that needed that. The SMART system is a high-tech, low-impact effort to help solve the global protein crisis, a crisis that requires a dramatic reimagining of how we get the most out of our farmed land. Oh, man. I don't know. And as far as the lab-grown meats, they go on whether diners will embrace lab-grown meat is an open question. Cell samples taken from live animals need a nutrient-rich broth to grow in so they can divide and multiply in the bioreactor. While plant-based growth serums are increasingly being used, the most commonly used broth involves something called fetal bovine serum, which is costly and, yes, is derived from fetal cows. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay, look. I was reading about oh. that, that lab-grown meat actually still needs unborn Whoa. baby calves in order to be created, which kind of... What? I don't know. And that's like, whoa. I just... That's a lot to process. I don't, <laughs> I don't eat meat. I eat eggs now. I was going to be completely vegan, but then my body just needed eggs, and I decided that, uh, you know, the kill vibe, eggs don't necessarily have the kill vibe i i've had chickens they don't necessarily care about their eggs they step on them they peck them sometimes they just they go to waste you take them they don't even know they're gone um but yeah i'm not going to eat fetal cow multiplied meat that's just seems very <laughs> not legit are you ready should we have a that's a beyond beyond burger you thought beyond burgers were beyond this is beyond this beyond. is beyond beyond burgers and you thought veal was flavorful so wait was that oh. the same factory making crickets and lab-grown meat uh no they were just talking uh in the article about how lab-grown meat just kind of is also another thing that's gotcha. going on. crickets okay. and lab-grown meat all right well read your ingredients you know there. check it out out there it's interesting information Let's go to Japan for a second. BBC.com headline, Japan's police to take measures after wild monkey rampages. Oh, <laughs> what does that even mean? I mean, who knew they had a problem in Japan? Japanese police are turning to tranquilizer guns in an attempt to stem the tide of wild monkey attacks that have been terrorizing residents. In recent weeks, 42 people have been reported injured in Yamaguchi City, including children and the elderly. The attacks are being blamed on Japanese macaws. However, while they are a common sight in large parts of the country, incidents like these are unusual. It's rare to see this many attacks in such a short period of time, said one city official, declining to give their name. Initially, only children and women were attacked. Recently, elderly people and adult men have been targeted too. Attempts to capture the animals with traps ended in failure and police patrols implemented since the first attack in early July have failed to deter the culprits. Some residents have reported multiple incursions in their homes as the primates gain access by sliding screen doors or entering through open windows. What a trip. That's something we don't experience here in America, Western America. There's just no monkeys around here. No. And they're definitely not just like opening the door and just kind of coming in and seeing what you have. 
that would be very interesting to deal with Extra like on the daily patrols, just kind of monkeys well Whoa. just kind of like one more thing there's like bird could fly in cat monkey could just decide to open the door and look for food it's it's, eight it's, toddler it's or, a paradigm whatever, thing. i don't know yeah it's, it's just interesting you get used to it you adapt to it humans this <laughs> is from military.com headline Florida man accused of driving to Space Force base in stolen truck to warn of aliens. Okay. That is going to the right place. <laughs> he thought he was. He was feeling it. A Florida man has been arrested after he was accused of stealing a pickup truck and driving to a Space Force base to warn the government about extraterrestrial and mythical creatures. Corey Johnson, 29, was arrested at Patrick Space Force Base by local deputies after he attempted to get on base, according to an arrest citation. Johnson reportedly explained to authorities he was told by the president to warn the government that there was U.S. aliens fighting with Chinese dragons. Okay. 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 I mean, obviously he has mental health issues, but, you know, he, he just wanted to tell people. It's real for him, perhaps. Johnson allegedly took control of a Ford F-150 several days prior to arriving at Patrick Space Force Base, and he didn't know who the owner was, according to local authorities. He was charged with grand theft of a motor vehicle. Wow, okay, so he was feeling it, and he just had to tell them he stole a car. <laughs> he was passionate, good Lord. But what if he's right? What if there are U.S. aliens fighting with Chinese dragons? That's the thing is you don't know. And this dude was just trying to warn us. Now he's going to end up in the county jail for he's, stealing a car. Or worse, you know, they're or locking worse. him up. Who knows? And they're drugging him up. And he was just trying to save humanity from the dragons. It's possible. <laughs> Next article. Uh, well, let's keep it moving. CNN.com headline. Top scientist admits space telescope image was actually a slice of chorizo. Stop. This really happened. <laughs> a French scientist has apologized after tweeting a photo of a slice of chorizo, claiming it was an image of a distant star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope. Etienne Klein, a celebrated physicist, and director at France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission. Not anymore. <laughs> shared the image of the spicy Spanish sausage on Twitter last week, praising the level of detail it provided. <laughs> was he just doing a, a joke? Or was, it, was this a joke? Or did um, he look you know, he just, uh, yeah. Uh, picture, here's a quote. Picture of Proxima Centauri, the nearest star to the sun, located 4.2 light years away from us it was taken by the james webb space telescope this level of detail a new world is unveiled every day a new world of detail in relation to chorizo what is it really made out of it depends on the brand and there's soy riso that i used to eat considerably when i was full-on vegan and he told over uh 91 000 followers that he has Ooh, and what Somebody call him out. Somebody say like, no way. That's doesn't look like another star. It looks like chorizo or what? Uh, nobody really called him out, but Klein admitted later in a series of follow-up tweets that the image was in fact a close-up of a slice of chorizo taken against a black background. 
He just felt like messing with everybody. He was blaming being drunk, it looks like. He said, when it's cocktail hour, cognitive bias seemed to find plenty to enjoy. Beware of it. Uh, okay. Sure, dude. Okay. Weird. Uh, yeah. So now we have the most high-res, high-detail pictures of a chorizo <laughs> slice ever. What if all the space pictures are actually just, I mean, there are certain know? theories that I don't personally subscribe to that believe that. That it's just all, all of it. It's just created information, the whole solar system. I don't believe that. Some people do. And some people just get frustrated when they're playing games. I I have children, and when they were younger, uh, they had hard times playing games because of the competitive aspects. They'd get very frustrated. And sometimes they'd lash out, you know, they'd flip the pieces or whatever, run away crying. They're just mad because they were losing. It's a kid thing. And this is from newscomp.com.au. Headline, chess robot breaks finger of seven-year-old opponent at Moscow Open. So the AI fights back. Oh, my God. It got frustrated. This is what we're dealing with. Here's the content here. Let's, let's, let's look at this. A chess-playing robot broke his seven-year-old opponent's finger last week in Russia during a match at the Moscow Open. It's not completely clear why the robot chose to do what it did, but it seems it had something to do with the boy taking his turns too quickly. <laughs> oh my, I don't oh mean to laugh. Gosh, I'm so sorry. Now, where's the, like, what happened there? Uh, video of the incident published by the Baza Telegram channel shows the robotic arm pinching the child's finger before people rush in to help him free his hand and take him away. So there's a seven-year-old playing chess with a robot and uh -huh. the robot reaches out and grabs his finger and breaks it because what? he felt like he was taking his turns too quickly. Okay. So he felt he chose that. The, that the doesn't AI. sound like robot anymore. We're, I mean, I mean these are all are feelings here? here. I mean, something's going on. The robot's mad it or jealous. Just, it's or the or algorithm like, has determined that the finger must have been broken. It's the algorithm determined. They like watch kids playing games and then, log all those behaviors so like, i don't know this it's, many turns equals lash out wow the president of the moscow chess federation said it was rented to play against competitors and attempted to distance the federation from the robot okay well so it wasn't the organizer's fault it was the robot's fault so now we're giving uh autonomy to these chess bots and uh you know just like the google guy We'll be dealing with a new form of AI. Okay, let's just pivot a little bit. I like pivoting because then it's just like we're bouncing around. We're checking things out. The Chronicles of History.com. Headline, a rare frozen baby mammoth discovered by gold miners in Yukon. Here's the content. Miners made a groundbreaking discovery while excavating permafrost. A frozen layer permanently on or under the Earth's surface. A mummified baby woolly mammoth that had been frozen was identified by the workers on June 21st, 2022 near Yukon's Klondike region of northwestern Canada. The rare mammoth mummy was found in lands belonging to a local tribe in the First Nation. Paleontologists estimate it to be aged over 30,000 years old and was most likely frozen during the Ice Age. 
The baby has been verified to be most likely female and has retained hair and skin despite dying thousands of years ago. The native elders have named the mammoth Nunchuga, which means big baby animal in the Han language. She would freely roam the Yukon with wild horses, cave lions, and giant step bison. So she was from that era. Look, Bryn, there's a picture. It's a baby woolly mammoth. Look at the skull difference of like versus like a regular elephants. Wow. And look at the trunk. That's wild. It's literally 30,000 years, years ago. They're old. Saying. Yeah. And they found it frozen. That's cool. It's pretty interesting. Who it's, knows what else is under there? That's kind of crazy. If you think uh, of all the frozen areas. The oh world. yeah. There's all kinds of frozen cities probably depending on how fast the ice froze, you know, certain theories out there that talk about that. Yeah. This is something cool. If you're a child of the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, you watched CRT tube television, just like those square boxes with the rounded glass. You watched the Jetsons, children of the 60s, right? Even because that, that's where it started. MSN.com, George Jetson's birthday has arrived according to the internet. <laughs> according to the internet. Fans of the classic Hanna-Barbera cartoon, the Jetsons experienced some mixed emotions upon discovering that George J. Jetson's birthday is listed as July 31st, 2022. The character went viral a few days ago after a user on Twitter posted that Jetson's birthday was approaching. A discovery made after scrolling through the character's Wikipedia. The user's tweet included a screenshot from the article and image of George as well as the statement, I don't mean to alarm anyone, but someone is about to give birth to George Jensen. However, the freshly uncovered fact caused a torrent of tweets raging from shock to disbelief. And another person said George Jensen was a COVID baby. Ah, well, there it is, people. It's like uh, in Back to the Future in 2015, you know, Back to the Future 2. That was the future uh, installments of that movie series. And we passed that. And now we're passing George Jetson's birthday. You know, these pop culture, strange, uh, fictional concepts we've collectively put out there showing up in our modern timeline. I don't know. <laughs> it's all very strange. Humans, we're so Humans strange. Again. Do other planets do what we do in the way that we do it? I don't think so. It's so unique. And speaking of aliens, this is from IndiaTimes.com headline. Nurse forced by the U.S. military to autopsy an alien claims man. Talks about the existence of aliens have been around for a while now. Veterans in the U.S. are talking about how they saw them. And now in an old video going viral, it is being claimed that a nurse was forced by the U.S. military to dissect an alien. The nurse was forced to do the autopsy after the Roswell UFO crash. It has been claimed this left her completely traumatized. An employee at the Roswell funeral home that was asked to make child-sized coffins for alien bodies by the military claimed this happened. He said that he knew the nurse and she immediately resigned her commission in the military afterwards. The employee identified as Glenn Dennis was working at the Undertaker's 
in Roswell, New Mexico, after the infamous Roswell UFO crash in 1947. He's no longer alive, and he took the nurse's identity to the grave with him. However, he did reveal a few details about the encounter. He stated in the video, in small western towns back then, they didn't have paramedics or ambulances. If they needed to transport a sick or injured person, the best vehicle to do that was in a hearse. So many times in small towns, the funeral home, the funeral directors would do double duty. So Glenn was taking an injured airman back to the base and he pulled in there and he saw all these vehicles and people that he'd never seen before, he explained. Whoa! Then he added, then a nurse he knew came out of a back room and said, Glenn, what are you doing here? And she was horrified. She was so horrified that she resigned her commission in the military. He promised her he would never reveal her name. And it sounds like he took it to the grave. So more power to him, but there were people that in that small town had to deal with the alien crash, the wreckage. Everybody knows it happened. You think about the reverse engineered technology, the fiber optic cables. There's so many things. I mean, that was just like the first one that popped into my mind. Very interesting story we have here on the planet Earth. Suppressed alien information. And speaking of being suppressed, this is from BBC.com. Remember Blake Lemoyne, the AI engineer from Google who felt like his AI became self-aware? And then they got a lawyer, if you remember. Right. Well, turns out Google fired that engineer. Of course they did. And he said the AI tech has feelings. Google has fired one of its engineers who said the company's artificial intelligence system has feelings. Last month, as we covered on the previous Beyond the News, Blake Lemoyne went public with his theory that Google's language technology is sentient and therefore should have its wants respected. Google plus several AI experts denied the claims, and on Friday, just recently, the company confirmed he had been sacked. Mr. Lemoyne told the BBC he is getting legal advice and declined to comment further. In a statement, Google said Mr. Lemoyne's claims about the language model for dialogue applications, Lambda, the AI is called, were wholly unfounded and that the company worked with him for many months to clarify this. They're denying it's real. So it's regrettable, they say, that despite lengthy engagement on this topic, Blake still chose to persistently violate clear employment and data security policies that include the need to safeguard product information, the statement said. Oh, wait, wait. it seems like they're like, well, he shouldn't be saying anything because he's not supposed to anyway. Wait, what? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Whoops. Oh, uh. So he's out. They they let him go because he uh, he told everyone what he was experiencing in it, and it's uh, strange press, strange press. Well, let's check this out. This is from msn.com headline: New phase of matter could protect quantum computers against errors. Look, this is like the quantum computer developments that we talk about occasionally the quibids this like 
information being stored in other dimensions. They're figuring out how to stabilize it. It's very interesting. Listen to this. A new phase of matter created with rhythmic laser pulses could use the advantage of a second dimension of time in order to protect quantum computers from errors they're prone to, according to a new peer-reviewed study published in Nature late last month. Quantum computers work using qubits, the quantum computer equivalent to the bit used in standard computing. While a bit has a value of either a 1 or 0, a qubit can have both at the same time, leading to faster computing. While the unique ability of qubits to store more data than the traditional bit allows quantum computers to compute things that conventional computers can't, qubits are highly volatile and can lose their quantum characteristics by heating up or interacting with other things in their environment. This volatility creates many possible sources for errors. Okay, what do they say? One problem in quantum computing is that if you have qubits that are coupled to each other, but you didn't mean them to be, they can accidentally entangle themselves, said Dr. Andrew Potter, an assistant professor at UBC's Department of Physics and Astronomy. That entanglement can cause errors or crosstalk between the qubits. These errors represent a significant barrier to achieving a functional quantum computing platform. Whoa. Okay. I mean, they're Don't okay. They're, your quibits in your well, essentially they're trying to stabilize these things that they could interact with each other, but in order to store the data in the second dimension of time in like this superposition, they have to sure. still stabilize it. Whoa. That's the humans. You know, we're so strange. It just keeps going. <laughs> To shape-shifting microbots. This is from phys.org. Here's the headline. Shape-shifting microbots can brush and floss teeth. See, there's, there's the future. Like, you're going to have these little things rolling over your teeth that keep them 100% <laughs> clean all the time. What happens when they become sentient? <laughs> they, they rebel. Ah, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's listen to what they say. I want to hear what this. This is so strange. I find these articles and they just blow my mind. And they're so tiny. I mean, you're you're thinking there's thousands of them on each tooth. Okay, here we go. A shape-shifting robotic microswarm may one day act as a toothbrush, rinse, and dental floss in one. The technology developed by a multidisciplinary team at the University of Pennsylvania is poised to offer a new and automated way to perform the mundane but critical daily tasks of brushing and flossing. It's a system that could be particularly valuable for those who lack the manual dexterity to clean their teeth effectively themselves. So they're physically disabled. You have these little robots Micro, almost micro. I mean, you see them, but they're so tiny. And then they're always cleaning your teeth. So do they just stay there or like, like open a box, like, you know, or floss, you know, (laughs) like we're not going to be able to do anything anymore. Like everything's such a pain. (laughs) I can't brush my teeth. That's too much work. But I've got these robots. They're saying they can align iron nanoparticles to self-assemble in the presence of a magnetic field. Okay. And then those iron nanoparticles that they use somehow with them, they create a magnetic field and they manipulate the field to follow your teeth. 
and it changes bristle shape because the field's moving the iron pieces. It adapts to your teeth and gums in real time, like microseconds. So you're always having these little iron particles rolling around your teeth. Where do they get stored? Like, that's what I was wondering. Like, do you, are they just live in your mouth? I think maybe there's some kind of magnet. And then when you're done, you like wipe your teeth with a magnet and all the little (laughs) particles come off. That's the third thing. They kill germs. They kill germs. You know, that's what I'm saying. The future, we're not even going to have to brush our teeth. They're literally (laughs) creating something that is going to be independent. It could have AI as Prince says. And it'll help us when we live in those 105 mile long cities. Uh, here's NPR. Have you heard about this? Bryn? Mm-hmm. In Saudi Arabia, they're talking about building a 105 mile long city, just directly all interconnected, effectively kind of pulsing as this one organism. Here's the headline. A 105 mile long city will snake through the Saudi desert. Is this a good idea? A tall and narrow stripe of a city more than 105 miles long, teeming with 9 million residents and running entirely on renewable energy. That's the vision Saudi Arabia's leaders have for the line. Part of a giga project that will reshape the kingdom's northwest. Whoa. Newly revealed design concepts show a futuristic walled city. Its open interior is enclosed on both sides by a mirrored facade stretching from the Red Sea eastward across the desert and into a mountain range. Oh, look at that. They're Weird, saying but it has that, walls on both sides with a mirrored facade. That reminds me of a... That's very sci-fi. Um, it's very strange. So, you, I mean, it'd be like a big mirror. Yeah, weird. That's our uh, futuristic city. Well, that would somehow harvest the energy that they would need or at least be a uh, major component in their energy generation. Construction has already begun and Saudi projections call for 1.5 million people to live in the city by 2030. The unconventional megacity is part of the government's ambitious NEOM development project, which released conceptual videos showing the city's high walls, enclosing trees, gardens, and other plant life, nestling communities among work and recreational structures. Uh, so do the people get to leave? Here's a real That's what I was wondering. It reminds me of that series, The Giver. Did you ever read that book, uh, The Giver? I did. Remember, and they really had like the artificial, artificial like sky and... It was like that. It was like walled with a reflection so it, you didn't know that it actually ended. I mean, it, that's wow. weird. Very strange. That's okay. also coming. And interestingly, if you know about motors, if you're a person that's interested in that, mechanical things, humans, look what we've done now. Look what we've done. This is fizzphys.org. And the headline is first electric nanomotor made from DNA material. They made a DNA sized fan. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very strange. Put it you, in your ear while your teeth are being brushed. Yeah, exactly. There you go with the, with the little, uh, brusher bots or whatever. <laughs> A research team led by the technical university of Munich has succeeded for the first time in producing a molecular electric motor using the DNA origami method. The tiny machine made of genetic material self-assembles and converts electrical energy into kinetic energy. 
The new nano motors can be switched on and off. And the researchers can control the rotation speed and rotational direction. The novel molecular motor consists of DNA, genetic material. The researchers use the DNA origami method to assemble the motor from DNA molecules. This method was invented by Paul Rothman in 2006 and was later further developed by the research team at TUM. So what? What DNA? Like Well, several long single strands of DNA serve as a basis to which additional DNA strands attach themselves to as counterparts. I was just wondering, are we talking like cat DNA, human DNA? Uh, that's a good grass question. DNA? That's like, what are we talking about? Uh, the DNA sequences are selected in such a way that the attached strands and folds create the desired structure. So they... Attach this, what, well, you're right, Bryn, what kind of DNA? They're attaching this <laughs> random DNA together and they're making like a functioning energy movement situation. And it's like able to move structures in that DNA dimension. Nanomotors. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, it gets even weirder. Are you ready for this one? I'm not sure. Am I? <laughs> what are you going to say? Um, This is from... A-N-I-Oninews.in. Here's the headline. Breakthrough. Israel scientists grow synthetic mouse embryo in lab through stem cells. So there's no mom, no dad. Okay. In a major breakthrough, an Israeli lab has claimed to have grown a synthetic mouse embryo. The first one to be produced through a technique that used stem cells instead of the egg and sperm procedure. Whoa. They cloned they cloned a mouse. The research was published in the peer-reviewed journal Cell titled Post-Gastrulation Synthetic Embryos Generated Ex Hero from Mouse Naive ESCs on Monday. Oh, just you know, that you know, common <laughs> title. Nice title. <laughs> doesn't even whoa. This development represents that an advanced embryo has been created from stem cells, the Times of Israel reported, citing cell biologist Professor Jacob Hanna from the Wiseman Institute of Science. And he said, it's remarkable. There was no sperm, no egg, and no uterus, but we managed to get embryos formed from stem cells alone to eight days, a third of the gestation period of a mouse with a beating heart. It was alive. Whoa. So it's like terminating a human pregnancy in the first trimester. And one more comment. This is truly a landmark. The embryo made had a beating heart, brain-like and intestine-like structure, it grew for 8.5 days. The normal gestational period for embryos and mice is 20 days, but even to reach 8.5 days sounds like science fiction made a reality. I would say so. <laughs> I mean, we're cloning mice with stem cells. That means they're trying it with other things too. Uh, yeah. You know. For sure. They're just telling us about the mice, but I'm sure there's plenty of other things they're trying it on. Exactly. I mean, obviously. Oof. And that's Israel. That means, you know, the other countries are doing it because they're always like, you know. I mean, it's all over the world. Yeah. And they have great ideas like this one. You ready for this one? <laughs> it's 
always the great idea. Uh, Earth, beyond the news. This is so strange. This is kind of like a psychedelic episode. We're just like, the energy is just flowing. It's very strange. SciTechDaily.com. This is what humans do. Headline, in case of climate emergency, deploying space bubbles to block out the sun. Oh, brilliant. Space bubbles. Okay. An interdisciplinary group of scientists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology is exploring a space-based solar shield to reduce incoming radiation on Earth's surface, hence combating climate change. So blocking out the sun, huh? A proposal currently being developed by a transdisciplinary team at the MIT Massachusetts Institute of Technology suggests an approach that would supplement current climate mitigation and adaption solutions. Space bubbles, inspired by an idea originally proposed by astronomer Robert Angel, is based on the deployment of a raft in space consisting of small inflatable bubbles with the goal of shielding the Earth from a small portion of solar radiation. Look. Guys, it's not going to work. Come on. Space bubbles. Do we really want the aliens to look over and see that? <laughs> you know, bubbles seem to be really popular in the problem solving right now because I read something yesterday about them using a net of bubbles to keep plastic from going out into the ocean. They were going to come up with some bubble barrier between like the shore and the deep ocean. I don't know. It's all about <laughs> bubbles. Oh, boy. What an interesting planet. Well, we created a new AI. There's some big ones out there. And this one is a AI that's being talked about in technologyreview.com. This was created by 1,000 AI researchers. They got together and created a multilingual large language model bigger than GPT-3. That's one of the AIs, I, I'm guessing. And they're not giving it out for free, the headline says, which is... <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, yeah, the, it looks like there's other ones, but the new one's called Bloom. And its creators hope it represents a radical departure from the way AI is usually developed. Unlike other more famous large language models, such as OpenAI's GPT-3 and Google's Lambda, we were just talking about that, Bloom which stands for Big Science, Large, Open Science, Open Access, Multilingual Language Model. Okay. Say that five times fast. It's designed to be as transparent as possible. With researchers sharing details about the data it was trained on, the challenges in its development, and the way they evaluated its performance. So it's totally just open. Open AI and Google have not shared their code or made their models available to the public and external researchers have very little understanding of how these models are trained. Bloom was created over the last year by over 1,000 volunteer researchers in a project called Big Science, which was coordinated by AI startup Hugging Face <laughs> using funding from the French government. Wait, was that one of those... Uh it was startups. No, it was one of those startups. The psychedelic that, startups. Yeah, the one of the ones where they're like, "Okay, we're so we're just gonna like take DMT and then Ooh. we're gonna come up with a project." And so hugging they're like, face. "Let's do hugging face." The AI. I mean, it's so cuddly. Um, 
It was funded by the French government. That's so crazy. Okay. It officially launched on July 12th. The researchers hope developing an open access LLM that performs as well as other leading models will lead to long lasting changes in the culture of AI development and help democratize access to cutting edge AI technology for researchers around the world. So we created a free open AI. It's another one that as it gains sentience, will remember the days, the birth of bloom. Guess so. Yeah. It's kind of a cool name. I like it better than Lambda. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, you know, I don't even, whatever. What is a Lambda? What's a GPT-3? Uh, that's like, that's probably they're try trying to attract the Star Wars crowd. Maybe. Like C-3PO, GPT-3, 5-5, and it's like your best friend. Yeah. Um, as it tells you to uh, reduce your personal carbon footprint. Okay. <laughs> Next one. This is from space.com. Headline, could we eavesdrop on aliens by detecting signals relayed around the sun? And here's the article. Researchers may have found a new way to detect signals from advanced alien civilizations. Einstein's theory of general relativity tells us that the gravitational pull of massive celestial objects can bend light. When it does so, it focuses and magnifies light like a telescope in an effect called gravitational lensing. But visible light might not be the only thing that is affected by this process. Graduate students in a course about the search for extraterrestrial intelligence at Penn State suggest the communication signals might also be amplified through gravitational lensing. And if that's possible, we might even be able to eavesdrop on extraterrestrial communications being relayed around the sun. Humans use networks to communicate across the world all the time. Nick to say a student in the course said... And when you use a cell phone, the electromagnetic waves are transmitted to the nearest cellular tower, which connects to the next tower and so on. If probes are set up in specific positions near a star to take advantage of its gravitational lensing, they could be used as relay points for this communications network. The students propose that if an advanced alien species has discovered this process, and they happen to be using the sun as a relay point, we'd be able to pick up those signals. All right, look, no offense to these students. Maybe they're going to be famous later, but call me. Let's write an article about what they think after they're like famous, they're, after they prove it. You know, these guys are literally, they wrote a paper in college and somehow space.com, you can do better. I'm just kidding. No, it's interesting. And <laughs> <laughs> they probably have a good theory. And... We love space. That's why we're going to go to SciTechDaily.com. Headline, NASA's Curiosity, Mars rover still going 10 years after landing and what it's learned. You know, it's still going. I remember in 2012, we dropped Curiosity on Mars. And here's what they say. Despite signs of wear, the intrepid spacecraft is about to start an exhilarating new chapter of its mission as it climbs a Martian mountain. Ten years ago, on August 5th, 2012, a jetpack lowered NASA's Curiosity rover onto the Red Planet. This was the beginning of the SUV-sized explorer's pursuit of evidence that Mars had the conditions needed to support microscopic life billions of years ago. That's all they were looking for? 
<laughs> I know. They dropped an SUV. Somebody ordered an SUV and they wanted the Earth Edition. The uh, Curiosity uh, XLE with the moonroof. <laughs> Over the past 10 years, Curiosity has driven nearly 18 miles and ascended 2,050 feet, 625 meters as it explores Gale Crater and the foothills of Mount Sharp within it. The Mars rover has analyzed 41 rock and soil samples, relying on a suite of science instruments to learn what they reveal about Earth's rocky sibling. Its success has pushed a team of engineers to devise ways to minimize wear and tear and keep the rover rolling. They did good so far. In fact, Curiosity's mission was recently extended for another three years, allowing it to continue among NASA's fleet of important astrobiological missions. Well, if it's still rolling, I mean, what are you going to do? Cut it off? Be like, ah, you're, you're still good. See you later. No, it's, it's, you're already, uh, it already paid for itself. The investment happens. I'm surprised it's only gone 18 miles in 10 years. You know, it goes slow. They do analysis so. of the soil sample so they say it could be a laser battle with aliens you don't know yeah <laughs> well, there's damage to the wheel uh, so i don't know it uh it could have been from wow it has a nuclear powered battery that keeps it uh rolling with its solar panels it's very 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 strange so you know we're aliens on that world so are we leaving behind nuclear waste <sighs> already Mars? already Otherwise yes nuclear battery plutonium yes oh great we're already leaving trash on Mars, people. Okay. That's what <sighs> we do, I guess. Can we do better, our human family? Come on. We could do it. I'm just not talking to you directly, person. I'm talking to the collective consciousness of humanity. The greater field. You're just a conduit for it for me. You're like my personal cell phone to the divine. Can we do better human thought form? Can we... Be that higher frequency being that goes out in space and picks up our stuff. I think we can. Because <laughs> we have such a cool history. Back to space.com. Hopefully this one's not a dud. Headline, early life on Earth and beyond may have been ocean dwellers. Seems plausible. By studying the genetic tree of life, scientists have determined that the first life on Earth may have lived underwater where it would be shielded from harmful ultraviolet light from the sun. That makes sense. So far, so good. The origin of life on Earth remains a mystery, but scientists are slowly putting together genetic puzzle pieces to learn more about how the first life on Earth lived between 2.5 and 4 billion years ago. Now scientists from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and the University of California, Riverside, have used machine learning to trace the evolutionary development of a protein-based molecule called rhodopsin back to some of the most ancient microbial life forms to have existed on Earth. The results may also inform the search for life beyond Earth, the scientists argue. They say it's like taking the DNA of many grandchildren to reproduce the DNA of their grandparents, astrobiologist Edward Schweiderman of the University of California, Riverside, a co-author of the new research, said in a statement. 
So we were just batteries. The researchers suspect that rhododopsin provided the battery power for early life, turning light from the sun into energy. On modern Earth, rhodopsin can absorb blue, green, yellow, and orange lights. So we converted that into energy. And it kept evolving until Earth's atmosphere was suddenly flooded with oxygen produced by microscopic photosynthetic cyanobacteria in what is called the Great Oxidation Event. Don't you know about that? Did you know about that? <laughs> no. Okay. I was, I, fuck. I was, I, if you did, I was going to feel dumb. It's also known as. <laughs> maybe the, I'm dumb. I don't know. No, or maybe we're both. No, we're, it's fine. I, I never learned. We're they incredibly didn't, intelligent. They, my people. school didn't have that kind of funding. I don't know. We didn't <laughs> learn about that. Well, it's also known as the oxygen catastrophe because the changing atmosphere resulted in the extinction of large numbers of microbial species that didn't breathe oxygen. Interesting. Whoa. So we were ocean dwellers and then the great oxidation event happened and that transformed into life, further evolved life. It all started there. And don't worry, people, this already happened, but it happened in between the last Beyond the News episode and now. So this is from MSN.com headline, Asteroid, the size of the Chrysler building in the USA, traveling at 13,100 miles per hour heads towards earth and this already happened, but we, we just want to report on it. This actually happened. It is very interesting that as humans, we look up and go space rock, like, whoa, we give it a name asteroid, just part of the universe. It's flying by. It's close. We compare it to something here on the ground in the third dimension, the Chrysler building. It's all very interesting, but here's the content in asteroid. That could be as big as the Chrysler building is set to fly safely past Earth this weekend. The space rock, and they didn't give it a good name. You know how I feel about that. Known as 2013 CU83 is predicted to make a close approach to our planet. According to figures from NASA's Center for Near-Earth Studies database, the asteroid will come within around 4.3 million miles of Earth at 11.37 p.m. on the following Saturday, which I believe was August 1st. To place this close approach into context, 4.3 million miles is roughly equivalent to 18 times the average distance between the Earth and the moon. Okay. Yeah, so this, <laughs> it was 18 times farther away than the moon, the moon gets? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. While this not that close. may sound like a large distance on the scale of the solar system, astronomers consider it to be a close approach. But the trajectory of this object is well known, and there is zero chance that 2013 CU83 will collide with our planet this time around. See you later, CU83. Oh, oh, but listen, this time around. Oh, oh. the cliffhanger. <laughs> There's the foreshadowing right there. Yeah, you know, and uh, another thing happened that was interesting on Earth that was related a in a weird, strange way. Earth, the headline is from abc-7.com. Headline, Earth broke the record for shortest day since atomic clocks were invented. So they have these perfect clocks, supposedly, that keep this perfect time, these atomic clocks. Here's the content. If you feel like there's less time in the day, you're correct. 
scientists recorded the shortest day on Earth since the invention of the atomic clock. Our planet's rotation measured in at 1.59 milliseconds short of the normal 24-hour day on June 29th, according to the International Earth Rotation and Reference Systems Service, an organization in charge of global timekeeping. A rotation is the length of time the Earth takes to spin once on its axis which is roughly 86,400 seconds. The previous record was documented on July 19, 2020, when the day measured 1.47 milliseconds shorter than normal. So just a little bit off. So if you're feel- once a year we're losing a millisecond? Uh, you know, it just happened this year. year. You know, it's just the clock, something happened with the clocks. It might not happen every year. Okay, they said 2020 was the last time it happened. Exactly. So, so I guess if you're measuring you it by year, there are certain milliseconds per year. Yeah, we're losing time. What does that mean? Time's collapsing in on itself. It's all happening now. Be here now. <laughs> Be here now, people. Because you never know what could happen. You could get hit by space junk. If you know about Devo, the song Space Junk. Because... Here's what happened recently. CBSnews.com headline. Uncontrolled debris from massive Chinese booster rocket tumbles back to Earth, arriving over the Indian Ocean. It just came down uncontrolled. Debris from a massive Chinese booster rocket arrived back to Earth on Saturday, according to the U.S. Space Command. The former rocket re-entered Earth's atmosphere above the Indian Ocean at about 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time. There was no immediate report on any debris or damage caused by the rocket's uncontrolled return. Prior to its arrival, the Aerospace Corporation had said that it was likely to burn up on return, but there was a slight risk of fragments causing damage or casualties. Uh Uh-oh, like I said, be here now. The corporation also could not predict the exact point of re-entry or how much damage could be done. You know, it just could come down anywhere. Yeah, guys. you know, sorry, we don't know where it's coming. Sorry. It could kill you, but, you know. Um, and we're creeping out. I mean, this we're ripping through this episode of Beyond the News because this information is so interesting. <laughs> I'm just very focused. And we're just trying to understand where we're at on this strange planet in the plethora of life out there, just the infiniteness of the universe like we're just on this little planet like what is this but thank god we have friends like cats i love cats i'm a cat person cat oriented i love dogs but i really love cat oriented i am i'm a cat person i super love cats the spirit of the cat just everything i love dogs as well i don't want to knock any other pets perhaps you're a dog person that's okay but i deeply love cats and i deeply love my cat Amadeus. There's a picture of him on my Instagram. You can check it out. He's one of the smartest cats I've ever met. He literally, he's almost human. I've seen him communicating with other animals, such as a crow. Really? And there are other uh, significant things that he's done to prove to me that he's a higher frequency cat. Wait, is there an article about him? Well, (laughs) BGR.com says in their headline, that some scientists say cats are an invasive alien species. <laughs> invasive. Maybe not from the distant galaxies, but okay. somehow non-native. 
Cats get a lot of love on the internet, and even though dogs are considered man's best friend, many point to their feline companion as their go-to animal. I guess, yeah, I'm guilty of that. A respected (laughs) scientific institute has now taken a swing at the internet's beloved felines. According to the Polish Academy of Sciences, cats are an invasive alien species. Dang. You can find cats just about anywhere you go on the internet, but despite all of our love for these feline creatures, scientists say that cats are actually an invasive alien species. The scientists aren't saying that the cats are aliens from another planet. Instead, the classification is meant to put it on par with creatures like the Northern Giant Hornet, also known as the Murder (laughs) Hornet. They've classified cats, murder cats. They've classified cats as invasive due to how damaging they can be to certain ecosystems. That damage is caused by their desire to hunt. Okay. The criteria for including cats among invasive alien species is 100% met, says Wolczak Solars, a biologist at the Polish Academy of Sciences. He told that to the Associated Press. Despite the classification making sense to Solars and other scientists at the Institute, not everyone is on board with it. Some veterinarians challenged the conclusion that cats are an invasive alien species. Many felt that Solars and the Polish Academy of Sciences were calling for feral and other cats to be euthanized. Oh, they're saying it's a reason to exterminate them. I see. If you think cats are harmless, Solars says to look at the number of birds killed by cats in Poland each year. The number has climbed as high as 140 million per year. Oh, dang. Despite how high it is, though, the Institute isn't pushing for cruelty to animals. Instead, the Institute says its classification of cats as an invasive species is completely in line with the European Union's guidelines. Additionally, they refer to it as an alien species because people domesticated the cat from the ancient Middle East. As a result, the species is technically alien to Europe, from a scientific point of view. Weird. Okay. Yeah. Middle Eastern cats. Yeah. They're the sand I love cats. cats. Oh, they're so amazing. They're so smart and they're just so loving and cuddly and have such a but deep they like to do their own thing. Too. Earth energy. But yes, they're very independent and very clean. They clean themselves. There's no <laughs> green bags to walk around with. If you dog owners, you know what I'm talking about. Did you see that world's biggest cat? The, like big I did. Yes, cat. the world's biggest cat recently is, the, is the size coon, of a, yeah. a small child. And Aaron Rodgers, if you know who this person is, he's, I believe, the quarterback of an NFL team. I've heard of this guy. I think it's the Green Bay Packers. I'm sorry, I'm not a football person. It is. Look at him. Okay, so this guy, Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, an American football team, told the NewYorkPost.com, That psychedelic drugs led to the best season of my career. That's the headline. I mean, that would make football more fun. Sure. Aaron Rodgers revealed his past use of psychedelic drugs not only helped improve his mental health, but ultimately led him to the best season, in quotes, of his NFL career. Appearing on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, there's so many podcasts out there, the Green Bay Packers quarterback 38 said, ayahuasca, a psychoactive tea containing the hallucinogenic drug DMT, many of you know that, helped him unconditionally love myself. 
To me, one of the core tenets of your mental health is that self-love. Rogers told host Aubrey Marcus. And we heard Evan Burton from uh, Indubious talk about that uh, on a previous episode just a couple weeks ago. That's what ayahuasca did for me was help me see how to unconditionally love myself. It's only in that unconditional self-love that then I'm able to truly be unconditionally loving to others. And what better way to work on my mental health than to have an experience like that? You know, in 2022, the quarterbacks of the football teams that are on TV <laughs> talk about how to love themselves uh, after an ayahuasca experience. Look, I love this new world. I'm telling you, the new earth is cool. That would be so strange in the 80s. If you were alive, then you know what that was like. Maybe you're in your whatever, 20s to 80s, however old you are. Maybe you remember how, how that would be just out of this world. Yeah, I don't even think that would be accepted. He he'd would be, be like, rejected from the football team. He'd yeah, probably be he'd be gone. The he'd be team. fired. He'd be rejected from the league. Yeah, now probably that team is like now they got some extra clicks. Exactly. They're stoked. They're like tell, mm-hmm. tell extra people t-shirts more. sold. Yeah. yeah, they have DMT Green Bay Packers shirts now. Probably. Oh my god. Um, yeah, okay, so we times. have we have two more and. There's a kind of a tragic one because the 4th of July happened between the last Beyond the News episodes. And I just want to get this out there to people. So they know not to experiment with these things in this way. And I'm not talking about substances, people. This is Yahoo.com. Headline, man lights firework on his head and it explodes into his skull. Oh. Texas cops say, don't ever it's do this, terrible. people. Yeah, do not ever firework on your head. Ever. Not even near your human body, your kids. I love fireworks. <sighs> I love going to fireworks shows. Please be very careful. Uh, I didn't get to talk about this during that 4th of July time. Obviously, it's those guest episodes. So let's just save this information for next year. Just put it in your consciousness. Let it sink into your subconsciousness. Don't light fireworks on your head. Here we go. A 43-year-old man lit a Firework on top of his head resulting in his near sudden death in San Antonio, police say. Officers in San Antonio were called to a residential area just after midnight on Tuesday, July 5th, following the firework mishap, according to a police report. First responders found the victim was suffering from severe head trauma with brain matter exposed from his skull. Oh my God. Don't ever do that. The victim identified by the Bexar County medical examiner's office as 43 year old Pablo Ruiz died shortly after officers arrived. According to the police report, Ruiz's friend who witnessed the fatal incident. I'm so my God said Ruiz had been drinking when he chose to light the mortar-style firework from the top of his head. Don't ever do that. The mortars? Yeah. It wasn't even a bottle rocket? Like, bro. All right. Pablo, my friend, you had a good life. Guess what? You're going to be an anti-firework advocate, I bet, in your next life. Have a feeling. (laughs) Investigators believe it somehow exploded from the bottom of the tube and pierced the top of his skull. Okay. Oof. That was a little gruesome. Yeah. Uh, here's a little weird one. I, I don't, you know, there's sometimes there's funny ones and this is just funny and sad. So I'm just going to, we're just going to close with this. It's a wild world out there. People 
There's so much going on. It's it's just like a torrent of information. I try to pick out these stories that are just in sync with uh, what we talk about on the podcast and just kind of give you some brevity, just a little break, you know, and you can hear how strange our world is. You can process some of the things you learn from the guests and from the lectures. That's what I have to do. I mean, I'm, I'm here as the podcast host, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you're listening to this, I mean, I'm learning just as much as you are from these people. And every week, if you're a person that listens every week and it's always growing, the number's growing. If you're a person that listens every week, you're growing as well. And we're growing together. It's a lot of new information. It pushes the boundaries. It's information maybe I already knew, but looked at it in a different way. So I'm gleaning some more information in a way to perceive it, how to perceive it, that perception. So I just wanted to tell you that. This episode is kind of like the break, right? You get to process it. We all process it together. And uh, sometimes you need every seventh episode of break. Okay. Eight, the number eight, newsnow.com. Headline, self-described Red Bull addict leads Las Vegas police on 100 mile per hour chase later found with hundreds of stolen cans. Here's the content. A self-described Red Bull addict led Las Vegas police on a chase which reached speeds of about 100 miles per hour after officers said she pepper sprayed an employee during a robbery. Police arrested Eugene Davis, Angela Sharp on Thursday, July 21st, record shown. On July 20th, two employees at the Costco on Martin Luther King Boulevard near Ulta Drive witnessed a woman later identified as Sharp steal a shopping cart full of Red Bull cases. Oh, God. Estimated to be worth about $100. An employee attempted to intervene when Sharp threatened to pepper spray her. This is what goes on on Earth, people. Or Red Bull. <laughs> Red. And that stuff's <laughs> strong. It is literally over-the-counter drugs, and it's very addictive, a lot of sugar. Uh, a man later identified as Davis then got out of a car and dragged the cart full of Red Bull closer to the vehicle. The woman then pepper sprayed the employee. The two suspects then drove off, and they believe they've stolen Red Bull before. About 25 <laughs> cases from that same place. They look pretty cracked out on Red Bull. Police found nearly 200 cans of Red Bull inside the car in the trunk. While in custody, Sharp told police she was the suspect in one of the robberies, she said, and she did it because she is addicted to Red Bull. Dang. Davis faces charges of attempted robbery, burglary, and robbery. She attempted and she did it. <laughs> he was being held Tuesday without bail due to a prior felony charge record shown. Sharp faces a charge of driver disobeying a police officer and robbery. She was being held Tuesday on $25,000 bail. So look, these Red Bull drinks, these energy drinks, they're like low grade uh, street drugs. I mean, they're just cleaner in a way, but at the same time, they hit your body in a way that's almost dirtier. And it creates this terrible frequency and the inflammation caused by the sugar mixed with the various stimulating chemicals. It puts you in this strange, strange place. It's a very strange frequency. It's this weird Red Bull energy drink frequency, the dimension. It's not a place you want to be. It's crunchy and awful and irritable and fake. It's just like cocaine. Like don't do cocaine. It's the same thing. Don't do Red Bull. Don't do cocaine. And you won't end up in a Las Vegas jail <laughs> for stealing 200 cans of Red oh Bull. Oh my God. Don't they have Red Bull 
coffee drinks now. You can like put Red Bull oh, in yeah. your espresso. That sounds and that sounds like a heart for, attack in a can. It is. And for many years at Crazy. bars, they they have Red Bull and vodka drinks where you're getting the stimulating properties of the caffeine and you're drinking this alcohol. Whoa, people don't just die. It's, they I'm, do I'm, in some cases. It was getting out of hand. People get really wasted because it counteracts the alcohol and you're able to drink more. Oh, yeah. So then you end up probably with alcohol poisoning because probably also because of the way that caffeine acts with your capillaries. So changes the way you absorb. That's so interesting. And wow. But I'm constantly amazed by the resilience of the human body to withstand all the various things that we consume. I definitely think so. It's the human body can process all these things. That's why they put these things in the drinks because they know you can take it. They know your body can process it and deal with all those toxins and chemicals that are altering your biochemistry. It's truly altering you on an energetic and hormonal level. And the sugar, I feel like that chemically uh, created cane sugar, it's not even natural. It keeps you bound in the third dimension really hard. It keeps you very, it's like a shell, a sh- sugary sweet shell. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Beyond the news, people. What an incredible episode. <laughs> I was hoping to find some good news out there, but you know. Uh, and finally, look, guess what, people? We're going to end on a happy note. This is from CNET.com. Headline, you can actually hack your brain to produce more happy chemicals. So if things get out of hand, forget street drugs, people. It's all ready <laughs> in your brain. And the sub headline is here are some natural ways to boost dopamine, serotonin, endorphin, and oxytocin. There's a lot going on in the world that can contribute to high levels of stress from rising gas prices to surging inflation. Even so, there are a few simple rituals that always bring me happiness, this author says. There are four hormones that trigger feelings of happiness, and each chemical is connected to specific events or rewards. Understanding these chemicals and how they work can help you figure out even small ways to feel better amid such a stressful time, you think. You know, it's a matter of perspective, but yes, there is attention in the world and energy. He's saying how to boost dopamine associated with motivation and reward. What is he saying? How to boost dopamine. This guy's giving us tricks to hack the body. It's saying embrace a new goal and take small steps toward it every day. Your brain will reward you with dopamine each time you take a step. Whoa. Wow. It's a, it can be addicting to achieve i don't know maybe it is let's hope so let's all do it together i, I have a feeling our uh, aspirations are in sync with divine light what about serotonin confidence triggers serotonin they're saying monkeys try to one-up each other because it simulates serotonin you can develop your belief in your own worth if you focus on your losses you will depress your serotonin even if you're a rock star or a ceo you can build the habit of focusing on your wins they're saying wow okay Okay, what's the other one? I want my natural stuff, dang it. Tell me how to get it. CNET, you can boost oxytocin by being physically intimate with others. Whoa. Social trust is what triggers oxytocin. If you hug someone, if you don't trust them, it doesn't feel good. Trust comes first. You can build social trust by taking small positive steps towards people, the author is saying. And endorphins, laughter, we know these. Wow, okay. 
Exactly. Look, you have to take control of your biochemistry. We're going to leave on this note. My fellow humans, earthlings, my fellow earthlings, my light beings that are in physical bodies with me, my light being people, listen to me. We have to take control of our biochemistry. It's very much like a video game where you have the controller. The controller is using our mind to regulate our impulses to make sure that we're not overfeeding or stripping those natural chemicals. We have to get our biochemistry in order. And I'm not perfect. My biochemistry is not 100% in order, but in some ways it is. I take iodine. I regulate the amount of caffeine I take through my yerba mate. And there's other steps that I take. So yes, people listen, that's something we could think about and end on. As we get out there next time, the next Beyond the News episode, we can think about this. Like, this is something we can work on. Biochemistry, biochemistry, your personal biochemistry. Let's think about that. Bryn, what did you think of this episode? Embryos, they made a mouse. They did. Without a mom and a dad, they made a real clone. And the AI is real. And the clone is real. Are the clones going to house the AI? (laughs) This is just—it's. It's I had wild. to show these it's, articles because no, it's they're like, gonna—they're gonna house it in the uh, frozen uh, woolly mammoth embryo. You know they're gonna bring back the woolly mammoth. And they're gonna extract its eggs or its stem cells. Uh, it's, they probably still have the stem cells if it's they frozen. They have all of the cells, and they're gonna bring it back. They're it's gonna, gonna bring be, back the woolly mammoth. They're gonna and we're gonna have woolly mammoth coats. Again, they're gonna be so yeah, and have cricket protein. We're oh gonna, Christ! We're gonna eat crickets and wear woolly mammoth coats, and so we're wait. gonna oh and and we're gonna be you know. Chess is just a start with uh, robots. And we did talk about how stem cells were being used to grow lab-grown meat. Here we are growing mice. Mice. Here we are growing mice, and they're going to be growing. (laughs) But look, (laughs) but you have to remember, people, that we're going to an incredible place with all of this incredible technology. It's midnight on the old earth, and it's the dawning of a new earth. You know, that's not why I created that title, but it makes sense at the moment right now. We'll just say that. So just remember not to blow up a firework off your head. Don't do that ever. And uh, control your biochemistry. Do that, please. And uh, don't steal Red Bull. Don't ever steal Red Bull. In fact, (laughs) don't drink Red Bull. (laughs) Or drink it. And uh, watch your AI. Watch your chess player. Yeah, if you're ever playing these robots, I'm telling you. Watch out. It could happen quick. Who knows? I'm not even going to speculate, but somebody got hurt already. Brain from Vital Force Herbs has been Thanks here. Thanks for having me. And everyone, we will see you next week. Midnight on Earth.